coming up next on the Varsity Journal podcast. Today on the show is Derek Duke. You know, I actually made an ass of myself at the beginning of this interview. Purple and pink? Yeah, I mean, in Texas? Up some random, <laughs> some random colors out there, but you know, I'm, I'm using illegal copyrighted music. I'm deleting that. I'm I'm deleting that. I'm deleting that part from the podcast. We don't have to talk about that. This show isn't about me. Hello, guys, and welcome back to episode number three. This is the Varsity Journal podcast. I am your host, Ryan Poirier. Guys, I am tired. I'm tired as shit. I've had barely any sleep. I slept for five hours last night. And I got to head to work in an hour, but um, yeah, man, I've been putting together this audio essay for the past week, and I released it Thursday morning. Um, you guys got to have a listen to that, man. I'm probably going to say that about ten more times today, but in this uh, in this podcast. But yeah, man, have a listen, guys. I worked I worked super hard on this, and you know, as a freelance journalist. I've kind of realized how tough this industry is. It's very tough. And if you don't like what you're doing, then you're not going to be able to to succeed. Um, You know, as I said in episode number one, uh, you know, if you want to get into a sport and if you really want to get involved in something, the only way to do that and the only way I think to motivate yourself is to just really really have a passion for what you're doing, but also love what you're doing at the same time, because it's tough work. Um, so yeah, for those of you don't, who don't know, I, I released a audio essay. It's called Ryan's World Tour. And it took a lot of work, man. I interviewed about 10 different NFL reporters. But those guys, it's not, you know, it's not like I sent out 10 emails and it's, 10 people got back to me. It was, you know, I emailed on Wednesday morning alone. I emailed about 63 people alone and five people that day got back to me. And that's just kind of how it was throughout the entire week. I had this idea in mind where I wanted to create an audio essay. You know, you, you call them audio essays, uh, I remember Sports Illustrated, they used to have them. Uh, Stephen Brunt, Stephen Brunt for Sportsnet Fan 590, he's been doing them for years, and he's probably the best in the entire world at them. An audio essay is essentially a monologue, uh, you know, and there's like effects in the background, and, you know, there's different people talking and whatever. Not not everybody uses interviews. I just kind of did that and I made it my own. But uh, yeah, Stephen Brunt probably has the best voice for anybody that's you know on the radio. I think or on TV. Stephen Brunt is really really good. Uh, it's gonna take a very long time for me to get a voice like that. I think you got to be. I think you got to be like sixty years old to have a voice like that. And he's been in the industry for a very long time, but. But yeah, so I had this idea in my mind and I wanted to do this audio essay style thing. And I was like, okay, um, I'm going to interview some, by the way, you guys are getting a little background of, uh, 
of how this audio essay came to be, and that's just that's just the way things are going to go on this episode today. I'm I'm tired, but uh, yeah. So I had this idea like last week, and and I I thought, you know, maybe if I just email some reporters, then they'll be very, you know, willing to get back to me. And I think it was maybe I went like two for five. I, you know, I, I started off and I didn't do the whole email thing at first. I just started calling people and I got two interviews right away and it was good. And I was like, here we go. You know, I'm, I'm going to do every team in the NFL. Like what an idiot thinking that I'm going to do every fucking team because not only would that audio essay end up being like three hours and nobody would ever listen to that, it would be virtually impossible because there are just some people that are very hard to contact. Um, and as a freelance journalist, especially when you're a freelance journalist like me and you ain't really shit yet, it takes a long time for people to actually get back to me. You know, I can send out a bunch of emails and, you know, maybe maybe like 5% of those people will actually get back to me. But, you know, then there's still a matter of finding the time to talk to them and I have to work their schedules, but I also have to work my schedules. It's a very difficult process. Um, And yeah, this was the exact same thing that was going on with that Little League World Series coach that I talked to you guys about last week. Um, because yeah, you, you don't want to have anybody on your show. If, if you're trying to do a podcast or radio or whatever, you don't want to have anybody on your show that doesn't want to be on there. Not for me, at least, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it, it would make me look bad. And right now I'm, I'm really just trying to, you know, build up this rep. And I think it would just kind of destroy my rep if I would just have grumpy people on all the time. You know, this isn't, this isn't investigative journalism. So all the people I talked to, they were great. And, you know, once I, once I had all those interviews done, I was like, yeah, I think 10 is about enough. Um, then it came time to editing and, oh, I, I edited for about 12 hours and it was a long, very, very long process, but you know what? It was very satisfying because that end result was, I don't usually like my work. I'm usually pretty, you know, I know everybody says this and it's kind of a cliche and it's annoying because people only really say this because they want you to know how hard of a worker they are. Um, but I'm truly, I, I am very hard on myself. And when I listen back to my work, I don't like it. Uh, the first two podcasts I did, you know, I didn't think that they were very good at all. And, um, a couple of my friends, they gave me some nice encouraging feedback and they said that they liked it. But, you know, that's why in this industry, you really do need, uh, you need that reinforcement from people. And yeah, it's kind of sad because if you don't get that reinforcement from people, then, you know, you're just going to think your stuff is, is crap. But yeah, hint, hint, uh, for those listening to, tell me how great this is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, please don't do that. Uh, but yeah, you know, this, I was very happy with, with the end result of my audio essay. And I think that's the first time in a really long time, uh, that I did something in 
journalism, really, where I made a product and I was very happy with the entire result. Um, and everything, you know, I, I, I'm not using the great, I usually will make an excuse and say something like, oh, the equipment that I was using isn't so great. And that's why it wasn't as good. And believe me, the equipment I'm using is not great at all. But I just managed to get lucky and um, everything just came out really great. All, all of the music that I used, that came out really great too. Um, funny side note that I just thought about. I'm wondering right now how long it's going to take for all of my shit to actually come off of SoundCloud because, you know, I'm, I'm using illegal copyrighted music. So, yeah, please don't say anything about that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I will include the link in the description uh, with with my uh, with my audio essay because you know what, man, I was I was pretty I was pretty darn happy with it, and I thought that it turned out really good. You know what? As a matter of fact, actually, here I'm gonna include a little tidbit, a little preview of that audio essay. So have yourselves a listen. As of today, Thursday, August 30th, it's been exactly 200 days since the last NFL game was played. Husbands everywhere have been mowing lawns and doing yard work. Boyfriends have been taking their ladies out on dates. But in exactly one week from today, these men will suddenly disappear. And those flowers that you would come home to every Friday after a long day at work? (laughs) Well... Those will turn into a 24 case of beer. These men won't be gone for good, but every Sunday, the man that you once loved will vanish to the confines of their basement, limited to the restrictions of however far their arms may reach. Sons, daughters, wives, and girlfriends will hear the ever so common phrase, Honey, could you grab me a beer? (laughs) Now don't take this as an insult. When I was a boy and I brought my dad a cold one on a Sunday afternoon, his eyes lit up the same way mine did on Christmas morning. So cherish these next seven days with the man that once reciprocated his love for you. What? Oh, that's today? Well, never mind, because his fantasy draft is today. And that means... Football is back, baby. And there you have it, guys. That's that is the intro for the audio essay, and I loved it, man. I thought it was really good, and it. I've this sounds so annoying, but I've actually listened to that like twenty times. So if you guys, you know, there's about twenty eight more minutes of that. If you guys want to listen, please have a listen, and um, I would greatly appreciate it if you could share that with your friends and family. Um, But uh, yeah, fuck it. Uh, Enough with me. Um, Enough about me. This show isn't about me. But you know, NFC... NFC, what the hell am I talking about? NCAA football starts tomorrow, so... On the show today, my guest is a gentleman from Texas. His name is Derek Duke, and he writes for a website called Heartland College Sports. They specifically follow the Big 12. 
Um, I had this, uh, I, I just talked with Derek and this interview is, it's actually pretty funny. Um, you know, I actually made an ass of myself at the beginning of this interview. Um, but you know, Derek, Derek ends up being a really good guest and he, he's able to keep his composure and the, this interview ends up actually being pretty, pretty funny near the end. Um, but yeah, I made a complete idiot of myself in this interview and yeah, I, I humbled, I, I was humbled to say the least. So have a listen for yourselves. Today on the show is Derek Duke. Derek, you are a Heartland College sports writer, which is a independent Big 12 sports site. So we're going to stick to the Big 12 in this interview. So Derek, with college football fresh in the air and you know it being only a couple days away from Saturday, what are these days like leading up to the big day for fans of the game and reporters like yourself? You know, we've been, we've been, it seems like forever ago. It's been so long, such a long off-season for us. Especially for me, I really just focus in on football. We do have other guys dedicated to basketball and baseball and whatnot. But for me, as a, as a football guy, you know, the months, you know, they turn, seem like they turn into years. But once we get closer and closer, you know, the days got a little bit shorter here and there. But just really excited. You know, it's kind of like our, our Super Bowl kickoff party. Uh, so to speak, just, you know, getting everything ready, especially, you know, cranking out all the previews. I think that's when it kind of really hits me that, you know, football is upon us once we start cranking out all these previews for week one. Uh, but, you know, just ready to get into some game action tonight, uh, on Thursday at least. We have Oklahoma State taking on Thursday to kick off some, some Big 12 games. So uh, just looking forward to it. it. may not be the best game, but, you know, at this point, football is football, so we'll just we'll take about just anything right now. I was looking at Oklahoma's schedule, and tonight they're playing – Missouri State and next week they're playing Southern Jacksonville or something. How the hell did they manage that schedule? Well, you know these. Uh, I think it's Missouri State and they have uh, South Alabama. South uh, Alabama, yeah, yeah, yeah. These uh, these schedules are made so far in advance nowadays. I mean, we're talking about you know these schedules were made four, five, six, seven, eight years ago now. Uh, just because of just how popular sport is, people want to get these deals done and then, you know, just kind of get them out of the way because if you wait too long, you know, you're, you may not be able to play an opponent that you want to play or you may not be able to find the right partner you're looking for, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, road games, home games, neutral side games, whatever it may be. So you definitely have to be really early when it comes to scheduling. So if you're scheduling right now, uh, you're most likely going to be scheduling probably for somewhere around the 21 or 2021 or the 2022 season right now. So these things are done, you know, so far in advance that teams change so fast, especially as the head coaches come and go. So you never really know what the shape of the programs may be when you actually do get to play those games. So when you said that we're only going to be sticking to the Big 12, I actually, I thought that maybe was kind of actually a good thing because one guy's name, even for the non-hardcore fans that we've been, you know, has been kind of shoved down our throats is this guy known as Drew Law. And the Big 12 is home to quarterback Drew Locke. He's the quarterback of Missouri. What can you tell us about Drew? And is he the best quarterback in Division One football heading into this year? Well, uh, Drew is actually he's a, he's a Missouri guy, and they are right now. They're actually the SEC uh, East, I believe. I'm deleting that. I'm, I'm deleting that. I'm deleting that part from the podcast. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. Missou- okay, okay. I had no idea. I'm sweating now. Okay, you know what? Fuck Drew Locke, then. We're not going to talk about him. Let's, uh, let's move on. Um, okay. let, let's talk about Kyler Murray then. Kyler Murray's, he's an Oklahoma guy and he's filling in, 
the shoes of Baker Mayfield. Uh, do you think that he can do that? And and how, how do you see Kyler Murray and Oklahoma doing this year? I'll first start by saying Kyler Murray, you know, I'm down here in Texas, and Kyler Murray is basically a Texas high school le- uh, legend. He played over to Allen High School. I believe he had like a 42-0 record as a high school quarterback. He won three state championships up in Allen, which is no, no easy task, uh, especially at that level of football. But he went to A&M, Texas A&M for a little while. Things didn't work out the way he wanted it to be, and you know he decided to move on to Oklahoma. And I think it's been a, a perfect fit for him, you know, scheme-wise with Lincoln Riley. As far as replacing Baker Mayfield, let's not forget Baker Mayfield is the, the Heisman winner from last season, and he's just tremendous uh, throughout his t- tenure at Oklahoma. So it's going to be definitely hard to replace a guy like Baker. Is Kyler capable of doing that? I believe he's capable of doing it. Is it going to happen? I have a hard time seeing it, especially now. He's going to be playing baseball next season professionally. So this is really his only one true and last shot here at Oklahoma to play college football and be the starting quarterback. So it would be hard to say that he's going to replace him in just one short season. But Kyler Murray is definitely talented. And with Lincoln Riley as his head coach and offensive mind, great offensive mind in college football, they have a ton of weapons you know, on the outside. Uh, with C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown, they have a great offensive line. They have a great running back in Rodney Anderson. So the, the pieces are all around Kyler Murray. I think he's a guy that could put it together. You know, is he going to be the best quarterback in the Big 12? I don't really see it, but I think Kyler Murray is definitely good in his own right. Do you think that Kyler Murray is going to be like a Barry Sanders type guy? Because he's, he's playing for o- o- Oakland Athletics, right? He already signed like a $4.5 million contract. Yeah, you know, he, he did sign with the A's. Um, I'm not much of a baseball guy, so I'm probably not the best guy to be asking when it, in terms of uh, when it comes to baseball talk. Uh, but I think Kyler did surprise some people uh, this past season at Oklahoma and playing baseball because I believe the year prior to that, he didn't have such a great season. And then this past year, he really, really came on strong to that student baseball team. And, you know, it started to, you know, turn some heads around the baseball community and, you know, they did what they had to do and. Oakland probably drafted him a little bit too high, but, you know, I'm not going to false guy for you know, wanting to get his money, you know. So it, it is what it is, but at the end of the day, I, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, you know, Bo Jackson or anybody like that, or maybe Deion Sanders. But, Deion Sanders, uh, not, not Barry Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Kyler Murray, you know, he's, he's not exactly, I'm not exactly sure about his NFL talents right now. He's a very small guy, such a small sample size right now, so. I think baseball, if it's in his best interest, I think he's going to go ahead and probably stick with baseball for the rest of his career after this season. I, I still can't get over this. Was Missouri ever in the Big 12? Yeah, so they they, they actually were in the Big 12. <laughs> Let's see, I believe, I want to say they moved back in the 2011 season, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, yeah, I could have swore. I could have swore maybe I had a video game or something and I was in the Big 12 as Missouri. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, so, uh, Missouri and Nebraska and Colorado and Texas A&M, those were the four programs to leave. I believe uh, Nebraska and Colorado left uh, in the 20-2010 season. And I think Missouri and... Uh, Texas A&M, that was very Texas recent. Texas A&M left after the, 2000, uh, after the 2011 season. Okay. So those were the two programs, uh, the four programs in total to leave. That's kind of why... Big 12, even though it's called the Big 12, it's at 10 today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I feel a little bit better now because at least I wasn't completely, completely wrong. But uh, anyway, so only one team has actually represented the Big 12 in the playoffs in the past 
four years, and that team is Oklahoma. They did it twice. Do you think Oklahoma will do that again this year, or do you think that there's actually another Big 12 team on the rise? My guess is that there's going to be a Big 12 team team that does get into the college football playoff. It's probably going to be Oklahoma. Do I see that happening this season? I really don't. I think the Big 12 this year is such a crapshoot in a sense because it's just so wide open. And when that happens, a lot of teams start beating on each other. They start beating each other up. And you'll see, you know, you might see a conference champion this year with at least two losses going into the conference title game with the 10-2 record. So, uh, if you have two losses, usually you're not going to get it, especially with the Big 12. I feel like the Big 12 gets respe- uh, disrespected a lot by the national media and as well as the playoff committee. Uh, so I would have a hard time seeing a, a team out of the Big 12 with two losses get into the playoffs. And so right now that's kind of where I stand on things. I think Oklahoma will win the Big 12, but I like them finishing 10-2 and two this season. Uh, the loss of Baker Mayfield will hurt a little bit. But I don't think the offense is going to take that big of a step back. But don't forget, Oklahoma did play in some close games last season against Kansas State and Texas. So there were some definitely uh, some close close calls for Oklahoma last year, and they even lost to Iowa State last year as well. So you know nobody went through undefeated last season. So I have a hard time seeing it this year. Somebody going undefeated through the Big Twelve. Yeah, you're talking about these teams that are coming in and uh, beating up on the other Big Twelve teams. You know, one of those teams, I think is Iowa State. I, I was reading something, and, you know, they're not going to be one of these teams that are going to make it to the playoffs necessarily, but if if they're on any anyone else's Big 12 schedule, then then look out for them. Am I right about that? Yeah, for sure. Iowa State is very interesting. Matt Campbell's entering his third year there at Iowa State. He's done a great job of building that program from really the ground up, uh, so to speak. I believe he won two, two games in his first season back in 2016. Last year, he won eight games including the first bowl game victory in a while. And then this year, you know, the expectations are still sky high. They have a great defense. Uh, defensively, even though they lost Joe Lennon, they still have some great pieces, which are Quan Bailey and Marcel Spears. They've got some pieces. The back end, Brian Peavy, I can go on and on with some of the names they return. But I really think they're going to be fine defensively. Offensively is where I have a little bit more question marks. They have a great running back in David Montgomery. Uh, I believe he broke the most tackles at the running back position last season. And now in all of college football, uh, they do have some guys as well. The receiver spot, they're going to need to step up with the loss of Alan Lazar if I can keep up there. Um, but I do believe they, they have some, some quality pieces there. It's still about building that program up. They're probably not where they need to be in terms of depth. Uh, but I feel like they really have a strong team this year. And with Kyle Kemp coming back as their quarterback, he's a decent quarterback. I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the Big 12, but he's definitely serviceable. He takes care of the football well. So that's going to be... To me, those are the biggest keys for Iowa State. They're going to play good defense, and they're going to run the football and keep those other high-powered offenses off the field. I think they can do that. Uh, my only question for Iowa State is if they get into a shootout, I'm not quite sure that they're capable in playing in a game and winning in a game in that fashion. So, Derek, I did some research on you, and by research I mean I scanned your Twitter profile, and you cover high school football in Texas. So, for some of us in Canada, we don't completely understand how big high school football in Texas actually is. We've seen Varsity Blues and we've seen you know, Friday Night Lights, but I don't think that does justice. Now, I've heard the rumors, but what can you tell us about how high school football really is like down there? So for me personally, uh, having played high school football in Texas, I played at a very small school, so on a, right now... What is the atmosphere like, though? What, what, what is the atmosphere like oh, at these high school football games, and how big is it? Like, I How much do people care in the community about this? 
I think you can look at it two ways, uh, really, because there's there's big city high school football. And my personal favorite, where I, where my personal favorite, where I came from, was a small town uh, high school football team. So, in those smaller towns, it, I know we want to focus on the numbers, and how big the crowd is. But in those small towns, I don't think people understand businesses and shops will close down on Friday night, even if they're traveling away and their team's going on the road. Fans will shut down their business and shop just to go watch the game. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, you go throughout the towns, the little towns here in Texas, you'll see, you know, purple signs, pink signs, whatever the school colors may be, you'll see signs for that. Purple and pink? I mean, <laughs> in Texas? Up some, random, <laughs> some random colors out there, but just the, just the atmosphere and the culture, it really brings those small towns, brings those small communities closer together. Like I mentioned, you'll see players signed out, you know, in the front yards. I mean, just things like that. It's such a great thing to be a part of. And then in the bigger cities, you see, obviously, these big cities, San Antonio, where I'm at, uh, Houston, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. These areas are really, really huge in terms of numbers and populations. And it's not it's not uncommon to see $60 million high school stadiums that can seat up to, you know, anywhere from twenty to 30,000. Uh, it's it's, it's just unthinkable the, the places and uh, the atmospheres that these Texas high schools have been able to build, and most importantly, the money that is coming in. Right. It is, it's something that we have just never seen before, you know, and especially now with social media, all this different marketing, you know, the people, all this, you know, Texas itself as the state is just growing at a ridiculous rate. We're seeing high schools just pop up from, you know, each and every corner part of the state. And, you know, it's amazing to see some of these schools that are playing for the, you know, the state championships, you know, they may have only been a school for the last three or four years, and they're already playing for a state title. So it's just really fun to watch, and I guarantee you, you know, one thing I always suggest for people outside the state of Texas to watch, uh, or definitely when the, when the state championships roll around in December, that is definitely something to keep an eye on. They play at, you know, AT&T Stadium, which is home of the Dallas Cowboys, and I believe last year for the 6A uh, high school state championship game, there was a crowd of around 44,000 there on hand to watch that game. So it's definitely like a small college feel to it, but it's got some big-time games to it as well. And, you know, not to mention that the average high school football coach, he makes an average salary of close to $100,000. And in the States, teachers' average salary is about $55,000. So, Derek, when a high school coach doesn't perform to his expectations, do people call for their head like they do in professional leagues, or is it a little more relaxed considering it's, you know, kids after all? Well, you mentioned, you mentioned the movie Friday Night Lights earlier, and I don't, I don't know if you, if you watched that movie or not, but there's a scene there where Coach Gary Gaines, who's coach of the Permian Panthers out in West Texas, where he loses a crucial matchup, and I believe they put their sales signs in his yard, so... Uh, I'm not going to go that far in saying that that's accurate, but yeah, there is definitely some people in the community, in these communities, especially the big, you know, there are donors, believe it or not, there are people that are willing to donate a lot of money to their alma mater high schools and make sure that that, their football program is successful, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make it that program be successful, so there's definitely some of that, I believe more with the salaries you mentioned, around the 100000 range, not every school is going to be like that, but definitely there are some schools. A lot of cases now where head coaches are being hired to coach a football team, but also being hired to, to be the athletic director as well. So kind of just another perk of the job, really. Even though you have more responsibilities, you do get paid more as well. So a lot, you'll see that a lot of times uh, down here in Texas as well with these high school co- head coaches. They're also the athletic directors of other uh, sports within the program as well. But, yeah, I would definitely say it can definitely things will get heated and, you know, coaches will come and go all the time. But 
if you just look throughout college football the whole throughout the entire country in the United States, you're going to see a lot of these guys started out at Texas high school football coaches. Now, CTE is currently a big talk right now in football, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And as a reporter of high school sports, have you noticed this being a concern among the parents you've talked to? And have you noticed at all any enrollment slowing down in terms of kids joining the game of football? I mean, I haven't really thought much about that. The one thing about football here is whenever you sign up to play, I know it's not the NFL level or the college level, even in high school, when you sign up to play, I think you all kind of have it in the back of your mind. You know what the risk you're taking, not only with your brain. You, you could at any moment you could blow out your knee. You know, you hurt, break your arm, break your leg, whatever it may be. I've seen some gruesome injuries out on the field uh, before. I, I've seen it to where the point where you know a bone was sticking out of a guy's leg, and that should, it shouldn't be anything like that. But it, it happens throughout the sport, being such a physical sport, and you know it, it's violent. You, you gotta have you gotta have a mean nature to yourself to play the sport. Uh, but at the same time, I think that's what that's what America loves to see that that violence. You know, whether it's right or wrong, people love to see it. It's entertaining as heck. And you know, to be honest with you, I just I love football. It's what I do. It's what I'm passionate about. So that is something something that's very close to my heart. But as far as the CTE goes, I think throughout periods of time, the more obviously the more contact you have head to head, the more likely that you could have a, you know a disease or brain disease like that. And it is a serious matter. But at the same time, I think the problems are being solved, you know, not only here in Texas, but throughout the nation, especially with the peewee. You get kids now that are playing football at age six and above. To me, that probably is a little too early. I think kids should be able to start maybe until they're at least, you know, 11, 12 years old, maybe even that junior high, seventh, eighth grade, somewhere in there, uh, just to kind of get used to it. But the thing is right now, what they're trying to implement throughout the country here is how to tackle the correct way. Don't put your head down. Keep your head up, looking to see what you're hitting. That, to me, is going to help solve some of these issues. I think you're going to see less and less of that. Because right now, you know, before then, it was basically get the guy on the ground any way you can. No matter how you had to do it, just get the guy on the ground. And I think now, you know, they're being taught the proper technique on how to, how to do that and how to tackle. So I think that's a big step in the right direction. Thank you for joining me, Derek, and thank you for putting up with my, um, how do you say it, uh, common fan knowledge. Um, but I do oh, have no, no. I do have one more question for you. Putting all Big 12 oh, aside, all Big 12 bias aside, who do you have winning the national championship at the end of the year? Oh, boy. Right now, I'm putting you on the spot there, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Clemson. I think Clemson has... Uh, the Power Rangers. Yeah, I mean, I'll just get <laughs> yeah, the Clemson, I think they have a great defense. Obviously, their their defensive line speaks for itself. They're going to have a lot of high draft picks on that defensive line. They return a lot of guys that I didn't think were going to come back this year. If they did come back just because they're very hungry to win and win a national championship. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, they got to figure some things out of the quarterback, but the, the lack of talent is certainly not an issue uh, with Clemson. Obviously, can also say Alabama should be thrown in there as well, but I think this is the year where Clemson finally uh, takes it once again. Thanks a lot, Derek. Um, you guys can follow Derek at Derek Duke twenty five. Derek, I'm going to include the Twitter handle in the description. Thanks again, man. Have yourself a nice day. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. That was my guest, Derek Duke. Um, 
you know, he was a great guest, man. He uh, he dealt with my nonsense very well. And, uh, you know, you can tell that that guy knows a lot. So as a journalist, you know, as I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a journalist, you have to be on top of your game when you interview guys like that. Um, because Derek, he's not going to miss a beat, man. That guy, that guy knows everything about, about his craft. So I got to be at the top of my game when I interview people like that. And, uh, you know, you got to be on the top of your game anytime as a journalist, but especially when you're not shit, and, you know, like me. I especially have to be on the top of my game. So I apologize for... Uh, for that little um, that little mess up that I had in in that interview, but you know what, Derek, that's guys like him, man, are reasons why I love doing this podcast. I, you know, I, I say this is a sports podcast, but at the end of the day, as long as sports are sports are at, they're at the very center, we can go we can go all around all around the clock on on this show, and we can talk about everything. And uh, you know, I, that's why I enjoy doing this podcast tonight. I, I end up talking with people who I, I don't even I don't even know I don't know what kind of guests are going to be I've uh, I've only had a few guests on this show so far and um, you know yeah there's been a couple guys who have they haven't been very lively uh, in in their conversations but you know that's that's why I appreciate it man when I get guys on like that and, and um, you know. And I get humbled too. I, you know, as a journalist, you you gotta be, you you gotta be humbled sometimes because in this industry, it will make you a better journalist. It'll make you a better reporter um, because you know you can bet your ass the next time I do this, I'm gonna make sure that I I dot my eyes and I cross my t's, and yeah, I'm gonna I'll, I'll be thinking about that you know for a little bit. You know, it's it's funny you know. It's funny and it's something to look back on and laugh about, but yeah, it's it's a little bit of a bother when I I make an ass of myself like that. But props to Derek Duke, man. That guy was uh, he was a great guest, um, and I didn't expect uh, the interview to be very exciting or anything. But you know what? At the end of the day, um, I think it was even more entertaining because I ended up uh, making an ass of myself, but. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I've been I've been working on this audio essay, and I had to crank out um, this podcast today because you know I I got to release these episodes every Friday, man. So um, even after I stayed up all night last night, I I had to I had to do this. I had to I had to do this podcast. I had to tough it out. Um, but uh, yeah, guys, I'm beat. Um, I'm going to wrap things up. I will have a lot more to say next week. Uh, I have some more guests coming on that will um, review the first week of the NCAA football games that are happening this weekend on next show. I've already talked with a couple people, so there will be a few more guests on the show next week. And I'll make sure I'm a little more prepared for these interviews and don't sound like a complete idiot. But you know what? At the end of the day... I'm tired, guys, so we're going to use that as the excuse today. So thank you to Derek Duke for being on the show today. And guys, remember, please listen to my audio essay, Ryan's World Tour, Volume 1. I'll include that in the description. As always, guys, thanks for listening. Peace!